everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Unapologetically Different Podcast. This is season five finale, episode 40. I'm your co-host, Key. And I'm your co-host, Coach P. And if you haven't already, definitely make your way to the iTunes store for Apple users or the Tune store for Android users and purchase that Unapologetically Different ringtone, which is playing right now in the background. It's super silky, smooth, jazz, funk, and it's just it just got that soul to it and we really appreciate any and all the support without you guys the show wouldn't be possible so definitely thank you seriously so how's your day going so far key it's going pretty good i mean i'm a little overwhelmed with work and what we doing with the podcast but i'm taking it in strides and i'm just grateful to be alive and to be here so that's how i want to see it i'm grateful for you me and key just had like super real talk right before we we started recording this episode and it just made me realize like i got a i got a friend and a companion in key <laughs> obviously i already knew that but it just feels good just like kind of being able to connect and just share about like what you've got going on and issues that you're dealing with and honestly half the time she's yelling at me for not being on top of my work hello <laughs> kind of light a fire in that ass but um it's teamwork and it's partnership and aside from us doing this podcast which is a business we do have a friendship and we have to continue that and have that momentum and have conversations that are outside the scope of the podcast so i'm grateful for you too that we're both on this journey we're both learning from each other and learning ourselves throughout this whole process yes sir so you want to take it away might as well (laughs) you know so, as you guys know, you've been following us. This season, we've been aiming to start our book club. And our next book on the list is Well, That Escalated Quickly by Francesca Ramsey. For those of you who don't know, she was a correspondent on the nightly show with Larry Wilmore. And she also does Decoded. The book, I really enjoyed it. Me too. <laughs> it's a really good book for what it is. I think that she really touched upon a lot of different points and i think it's very pertinent as to what's going on now pertaining to activism social injustice issues especially in light of social media i feel like being an activist and protesting or different forms of protest has changed in the realm of social media so what i will say is my three takeaways from the book there's a part of it called calling in versus calling out Basically, it's about having conversations or certain discourses on social media with trolls. <laughs> and, you know, there's a tendency of, well, you got to call somebody out. And sometimes it could go one of two ways. I resonated with this chapter a lot because I go through this when I'm on social media, especially on Facebook. I get into very interesting debates with people. Um, some of them are valid, great debates and others not so much because it just feeds into someone else's ignorance and they're not really trying to learn when I do enter into certain discourses, I know people think, oh, Kiana's just at it again. I really do it to build awareness and to have conversations and to not only enlighten the person I'm talking with, but someone who's going to come across that post. Because at the end of the day, it's all about you building awareness and kind of dismantling ignorance. So when she spoke about calling in, so calling in is a way of you having a conversation with a troll or um, someone who falls in line with being a troll on social media and doing it like a one-to-one where maybe you separate yourself from the public display of the debate and probably end up into a private sector where you reach out to them 
in Messenger and you have a one-to-one -one conversation about the topic in a healthy way so that you're both learning from it and it doesn't lead to anything crazy. Calling out is when you put somebody on Front Street, public display of people on social media. And I've been through that. There are times where I am conflicted. I'm like, should I put this conversation to the side and have a one-on-one? -on -one? But I'm like, that's not how it started. And I do believe there are times where people do the most on social media with certain debates, especially when there's a lot of eyes watching. People want to get fancy. They want to get cute. They want to get out of pocket. But half of the time you see some of these people face to face, they're not saying that. <laughs> they're not really speaking to those issues and they're not even going as in depth. So calling in to have a one-on-one, -on -one, I can understand her stance on it. For me, I want to start the conversation the way it ended. So if you, if me and you is on social media and it's more of a public display of a conversation, I want to end it that way. I would like for it to end on a healthy note, whether I apologize for misinterpreting what you say, vice versa, or you apologizing for your ignorance, vice versa. Let's having a healthy conversation. Oftentimes when I end up in those debates, they don't end on like a, a full healthy ending. I mean, sometimes I really just end it like we agree to disagree because that's what it is. Like, I'm not going to go back and forth with you in circles if you're not trying to be receptive to what I got to say. I'm not going to do that. Um, and sometimes I feel like there are people, especially trolls, who don't really want to be receptive to the information. They just want to be combative and go back and forth with you and just pick arguments out of stuff that doesn't even require that level of energy. And it, it didn't even have to lead to that. So that chapter really resonated with me. And I'm glad that she talked about it because I get conflicted. I'm just like, should I do a one-on-one -on -one or should I just remain public? So that was something that I find to be very interesting. Also, when she talked about when she met Lena Dunham from Girls, basically, I never saw that. I never saw Girls. I never watched it. I've heard mixed reviews about it. I never really cared to watch it. I was like, so this is supposed to be our modern day Sex in the City? I'm Gucci. Um, and plus, it wasn't black people in it. So I was like, I'm definitely not watching this show. It's a dub. We have enough diversity on TV right now. I could do away with that. In any event, she talked about prior to meeting I hate Lena. when you say that. What? I'm sorry to, to interrupt. I feel like if we can't watch shows that only have white people, how do we expect white people to watch shows that is predominantly black people? Oh, I'm glad you brought it up, honey. Let's dissect this. It's not that I'm opposed to watching shows that are predominantly white people. It's just that, and I'm really glad that you brought this perspective up in this point. I'm used to seeing shows growing up with all white casts. Mm-hmm. Or seeing films with all white and a black person get killed within the first two minutes of the film. You know what I'm saying? I'm used <laughs> to seeing... Just like when I seen Infinity Wars. Sorry to give it away. Spoiler alert. Idris Elba, my baby daddy, future husband, died like within 10 minutes. So I was like, well, look at that. <laughs> look at this shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and I get it because, you know, throughout the movie there were other black mm, casts and stuff. But the reason why I brought that point up because as I was watching that movie and it happened I was like here we go the typical movie where black people die within the first 10 minutes of it and it was feeding into that for me I'm gonna be quite frank with you now that we have so much diversity on screen I don't feel the need to watch a show that lacks it because mm. to me it feels weird got it it feels weird if I'm watching a blackish I'm all in it I'm all even even all my friends said the little girl is literally she feel like that little girl is me I'm just like really I don't see that she's like she's sassy just like you but I'm bringing it back sorry but when you're watching a blackish or um ballers and insecure um power when you're watching all of these shows Grey's Anatomy Scandal R.I.P. Scandal 
you know, when you're watching all of these shows, there's so much level of diversity pertaining to people of color and different types of black people. Mm. When I go from that and knowing that Hollywood is becoming more diverse, which is moving at a very slow pace, but it's getting there. When you are caught up in that, which I am, and I love to see that, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to go watch a show with an all-white cast. Got it. Okay. It's like, to me, even when I was like <clears throat> watching House of Cards, pre the sexual assault incident to the Me Too, um... R.I.P. Kevin Spacey. <laughs> R.I.P. man. Be like that sometimes. Even when I was watching that, I was just kind of like, I mean, they did have a black character in it. Yes, they did. But to go from a really diverse cast to one that's not, it's it's hard for me. Like, I'm not even going to front. And I noticed that. I was just like, wow. And it's because now that I know that the networks are capable of having diversity and they're capable of having people of color with different characteristics, different traits, and different forms of talents, why subject myself to this show that lacks all of that? Got it. So that's how I perceive it. So I never really, and I didn't have interest in seeing girls. But bringing it back to Francesca Ramsey, prior to meeting Lena, she was basically critiquing her show for what it was. You know, that it lacked diversity. And there's been conversation about Lena being racist and making commentaries and stuff that she talked about on her show. Francesca really spoke around that a lot and critiqued her heavily. And then she was going out to dinner with a friend and her friend was like, oh, Lena's coming. Friend did not know Francesca was critiquing Lena and she didn't know that she didn't know that it was Lena coming so she was like oh crap and then she figured out that she was going to be there she's like okay what I appreciate about this chapter was that she was real because she said when she met Lena she was really nice Lena did not know her she did not know that she was critiquing the hell out of her at all and she was just like at the end of it she was like I'm gonna be honest with you I kind of be shitting on you and critiquing your show and the things you say because I don't necessarily agree with you but I just wanted to let you know and in that moment, she could have easily just played the part. Oh, yeah, hey, girl, we cool, we friends. And Lena would have figured out down the line on her own, oh, she's been critiquing me heavily, but she was phony to my face. I appreciate her honesty in that moment because she didn't have to do that, but she did. And they exchanged numbers, and Lena went back home and researched her and realized, she's like, wow, you really hate me. Like, And what I liked about it was that she apologized to her to some extent about the things that she said and she even she made a very valid point which I love was that she realized a lot of her critiques she realized that some of her critiques for Lena was rooted from her own insecurities about her career because she wasn't where she wanted to be she was hustling and bustling you know working trying to make things happen being a YouTube sensation and kind of keeping that momentum of going viral like she was trying and you know to see this woman here have a hit show and it lacks a lot of aspects of it that's a bit controversial but it's still happening for her i could understand it and i think that's real for us to really break that down when we critique each other and we have these conversations on social media we go and critique someone's character and their entire being it sometimes you have to step back and be like where is this coming from what is the root of it and i feel like in that moment she realized some of her critiques are very valid but there were others that came from a different place. And I'm glad that she realized that in that moment. And she was mature enough to be apologetic. How many of us would have done that? Yeah. You know, and it's a huge difference with critiquing someone from afar on social media. But then seeing them in person and realize they're a human being. And just kind of having that one-on-one. It makes a huge difference. So I'm glad that she spoke to that. And she was being really real and raw. And those are one of the several experiences she spoke about in her book. About her honesty and her rawness. About her being apologetic for her behavior. And the things that she may have said. And how she have conducted herself on certain things. And that's what I appreciated about her. 
my final point too it was so many points but to kind of get down to three was stop hating and start studying she was questioning in this day and age we look at everybody like especially on instagram with the filters and whatnot everybody looking good traveling <laughs> like people going traveling every three months and literally i don't even understand what's going on and you know when you see all of these things it makes you feel a certain way about your life and where you're at it and it makes you even feel even more sadder what i appreciate about her was that in this chapter she stopped doing all of that she didn't compare herself with her peers or her competitors as like they're making it because of xyz she stopped and took and analyzed what they were doing to become better what techniques were they doing and she started to incorporate that herself and i think that's very important you know we talk about competition we talk about what our peers are doing but if if somebody dream became a reality it shouldn't be a matter of oh what did so-and-so do to get that oh you know them side conversations them negative talk it should be more so like they got it no matter how they got it you don't know how they got it they got what they got they work hard for it right what are you going to do to get to where you have to get to in life don't be focused and preoccupied about somebody having xyz and you lacking that what did you do to cause yourself to lack that and that's what I liked about it. It was more of an internalization. And I think we all need to do that. Instead of us critiquing who's married, who got a child coming, and who's in a two, three parent household, or who may seem like they have a perfect life, people go through stuff. You know, you don't know what that person went through to get to what they have to get to and how hard they work. And, and if you were going to be willing to put in that work. Right. You know, there's people who do podcasts that are more successful than us right now. But we don't know what techniques they use. And we don't know what they did to get to that point and how much work they put in. Not saying that we don't put in work, but I think it's it's good to stop and take a step. And I think it's for everybody, especially people who listen to our show. When you look at your peers and your competitors as to what they're doing, take a step back and stop thinking about why am I here and it's all me and blame. Take a step back and reevaluate what you're doing and what they're doing and try to see if you can do what they're doing and elevate your skills and your abilities to another level to get you get you to where you got to be. Instead of victim blaming and questioning and feeling down for yourself, make that negative into a positive. Mm -hmm. So those are the walkaways from the book. I don't have any throwaways because I really did enjoy the book. Um, I thought it was a great read and I definitely think everyone should go check it out. It hits a lot of valid points. And me being an activist myself as a millennial trying to figure out things with the social media realm, it really spoke to my soul about how I observe things, how I view things, and how I conduct myself. Um, she touched upon a lot of valid points that resonate with me a lot. She's like my friend in my head. What up, Francesca? I hope I get to meet you in person because she's amazing. Facts. Does that mean you're going to stop um, internet thugging and bullying people on, on the Facebook threads? <laughs> I didn't say all of that. That's going to take some time. <laughs> but she definitely, she gave me the motivation to continue. You see how she was going after them trolls? Definitely. I mean, she was. She does more than me. Yeah. I couldn't do that. I can't keep up with them trolls. I just let them, I'm like, hey, we agree to disagree, blocked, and keep it pushing. I, I really like the point that you brought up about... Um, in terms of instead of hating actually studying from people who you you're looking up to you want to aspire to be mm -hmm. where they're at and it's ironic that you brought that point up just because i was looking at our um, trying to say i'm a hater no 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 i, I was looking <laughs> at it's ironic far, no far so where's this going <laughs> far from i was actually looking at our social media feed today and i saw a quote that someone said that some people will hate on you for things that you have that they feel that they deserve even though they didn't work for it. Facts. And I'm just like, damn, that is That's true. Deep. And I'm like, how many things do... And I it made me stop and think about myself. Like, how many times do I look at what other people have in their life and be like, 
I wish I had that or I deserve that, but then really stop and look at what am I doing to actually cause that to happen for myself. So a lot of times we can just have like this sense of entitlement for certain things. So I'm glad that you brought that point up um, because I wasn't expecting you to say that and it just kind of just really resonated with me. Um, but for me, the, the three takeaways I took was first, I love how she talked about really being prepared for the moment because she was, when she discussed like auditioning for Saturday Night Live, she knew that her goal was to become an actress and a comedian and she was using YouTube as her platform to really put that out there. But that wasn't the end all be all for her. She wanted to be on the big screen, be like on stage. And when she did her SNL performance, she bombed it. Because there were people who had been studying for years, taking improv classes, and really knew what to expect going into it. But she got her opportunity because of her youtube video that went viral and opportunities started presenting themselves and it really got me present to whatever you're really up to in life whatever you're trying to accomplish you never know when that opportunity Mm -hmm. is going to come and present itself so you really need to be prepared every single day as if today is the day i'm gonna meet the the girl of my dreams or today is the day that I'm going to get the call back for the job that I've been looking for. Or today's the day I'm going to meet someone who I, I've always wanted to take on as a client. Or whatever the case Today may be. Today's the day I'm going to meet Idris Elba. Exactly. Yes. You never know. And if you're not on point that day, then... Uh, Put in the universe. <laughs> exactly. Okay? Put in the universe. So I thought that was really dope. Just really, t- She really talked about just in places where she wasn't prepared. And kind of similarly when she went on on Anderson Cooper and talking about her viral hit, she wasn't really prepared to speak about all the different nuances and answer certain questions the way that really would have taken advantage of the platform that Mm -hmm. she was on. So I think for us as well, it kind of reminds me like when we're preparing for shows and episodes, we do want to do our research, come up with, come with, all the facts so we're, we're prepared to really discuss and share about things from a, a place of really having put in the work before it just started to talk and I just thought that was really a very powerful message that she put out there especially with um, the world we live in now no, you don't become an overnight success but life can change overnight for people mm-hmm. especially with social media so just constantly always being prepared for whatever you're up to um, and then I I really got present to the fact that sometimes it's going to take time to get to where <laughs> Yo, you want to get to. That's an understatement, bro. Yeah, because you have to grind and really put in the work to, especially when you're up to something big. And I I think one thing I kind of got away from this, she was really putting in the work early on as like one of the early adopters to YouTube posting videos and just being consistent with it and even with doing that it took her years before she got that level of fame and acclaim that she was looking for so even when you're putting in lots of work lots of time grinding going really hard at something even then it can take years to get to where you want to go so coming from that perspective knowing that putting in lots of work can still take time to get to where you want to go you gotta put in the work basically you can't shortchange or 
or half step it. You got to put in the time, put in the work. Because even doing that, it's not guaranteed that you're gonna things are gonna happen as quickly as you want it to occur. So that's another point that. I feel like that's easier said than done because we live in such a culture that's instant gratification. Exactly. And then we have YouTube sensations. I mean, granted, her her years did happen, but she kind of, you know, kind of got a head start with the whole viral thing going. And if that didn't happen, how many more years it would have taken for her to even get to that point? So um, that's important. Yeah. And my, my last takeaway was really just talking about the responsibility that you have when you have a platform. Facts. Um for me personally, and I think for people who've been following from the beginning of the show, I, I definitely feel passionate about racism, social injustice, and issues like that. But I don't always feel confident or comfortable really discussing certain things, really putting out like my real deep unfiltered opinion about it because of the backlash that I may face or what people may think of me. I got you, boo. And they try to come to you. you know what time it is. Try me, trolls. Try me. <laughs> don't, no, don't, don't do it to them, Keith. <laughs> They're not ready. <laughs> but just just realizing when you do have a platform that people are going to be following you and you really need to realize what kind of platform you have and realize the responsibility of it because um, you really can make a difference and people can be listening to what you're saying and you can tip people in one direction or another just by sharing your reality whatever what whatever topic you're dealing with and in this case she was talking about social justice and um racism and issues of around that and she got a lot of backlash because people felt she wasn't handling it appropriately so i think that's a, a definitely another good point just realizing if you're working to build a platform and build um a following and awareness of for whatever you do whatever you're doing just realize the responsibility you have when it comes to actually getting that platform created and then once you do have it like taking it seriously because people do look towards influencers and people who have fame and power so I think it's really important just to just be wary of that and just kind of have that in the background. Granted, you can't live your life for other people and what other people think, but especially if you're going into a situation wanting to make a difference and wanting to have your voice out there to to just whether it's inspire, support, or just really just like Key was saying earlier, building awareness, just be conscious of that, a.k.a. Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> No shade. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had a choice. <laughs> he decided to bring that up. So there goes that. <laughs> um, yeah, so th- those are my three takeaways from the book. And like he said, I didn't really have any throwaways. I really loved reading this book, just especially because it made me realize a lot of the similarities where me and Keith both have jobs and we're doing the podcast as well. So... It just made me realize there's other people who are dealing with the same things we're dealing with, feeling like we don't have enough time and just feeling like living double lives and having to just put in, like sacrifice other things to actually get this stuff out here. And um, it just it just felt good. And then kind of seeing what are certain things that you can expect as 
you start to grow with in followers and influence and just kind of the pitfalls. I think it's really important. Like people go through a lot of situations and deal with things so other people don't have to deal with it. So you can learn to avoid certain pitfalls that others have gone through just by, like you said, studying and just seeing what other people have done. So I genuinely enjoyed the book a lot. Yeah, same here. I would say from rating from one to five for me, I give the book a five. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so it's a great read. Definitely go check it out. It's well that escalated quickly by Francesca Ramsey. You can get it in bookstores. Speaking of bookstores, I went to Barnes and Noble to purchase the book, and I'm gonna share this quick story. Um, the book came out like two weeks ago, a couple weeks back, and. Normally, in Barnes & Noble, to my understanding, new releases are in the front when you walk into the, the store. It's like right within those, um, the first couple tables you come across. I was surprised that her book was at the back of the store by the bathroom. I had to ask one of the representatives there if they can assist me in finding the book. I went up to a cashier who was there and I said to her, it was a black woman and I told her, I was like, I find it to be interesting that her book is at the very back of the store by the bathroom. It's a new release. It should be in the front of the store. Now she did tell me that corporate, they don't get to decide where the books are placed. Corporate sends a list to them and tell them strategically where the books are supposed to be placed in the store. She did tell me that bestsellers are normally the ones that are in the front, but I did say to her, um, I'm not sure how the bestseller thing works out, but, and I'll probably look further into that, but how can she become a bestseller if her book is not even out visibly for people to see? Like, if I'm a complete stranger coming into Barnes & Noble with no intentions of picking up a book, and I walk in and I see that book there, I may have more of an interest in reading it because it's right in front of my face. And we have posted the book on our social media site. It's a colorful book, colorful cover, beautiful, well done. It's definitely an eye catcher. I don't think you can walk into a bookstore and see it in the front and be like, I didn't even notice that book. It's very colorful. It pops. So to me, it's like she's not even given the opportunity to be coming on a bestseller or even getting her book to that level of popularity because it's not in the front of the bookstore. But yet still, James Patterson has a whole column right in the front. And you know James P Patterson novels pertaining to murders and crimes and stuff like that. Not saying that he's not deserving of where his book should be placed, but... I would hope her book would be placed in the front as well, being that it's a new release. If it was something that came out eight months ago, maybe not so much, but as a new release in the very back by the bathroom, that's very questionable to me. So that was my story, and I find that to be interesting. And I even told the cashier, you see why some people rather go to local bookstores and to come to a corporation like a Barnes & Nobles, because these are the politics that come into play that I tend to dislike. But in any event, you can still get her book, whether you want to get it on Barnes & Noble or elsewhere. Check it out. And it doesn't only pertain to activist work on social media. I think it's a really helpful book for entrepreneurs coming up in any business, especially as millennials. You're trying to figure out how to make things work and navigate between real jobs, real 9 to 5, and doing the entrepreneurship work, and then also having a balance of a social life. So I think it's important for you to really read the book and kind of navigate between those and kind of get in the feel of where you're at in your life and what you're doing. And there's a lot of great lessons in her books that she dropped that doesn't just pertain to social injustice issues or it doesn't just pertain to her being, her following her trolls. It actually pertains to other important topics. So definitely check it out when you get a chance. Awesome. So a lot of sports stars are making it crystal clear that they want no part of attending the White House as part of a 
championship celebration tour and i love it <laughs> like i'm i'm all for it especially like with the likes of lebron james and steph curry rescinding their um invitation well, the didn't get invited anywhere so let's just correct listen okay. i'm talking they about lost. i'm not sure if you watched the last game no shade I'm shout out to steph curry and them. i'm just saying in general in general that was a good game honey sweet i'm not even gonna entertain this <laughs> you're conversation you're not gonna entertain a sweep okay continue sorry <laughs> You're not going to talk gonna, about the sweep. I'm we're just going to stick to football. We're just going to sweep that under the rug. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to stick to football. <laughs> so, the Philadelphia Eagles won the NFL championship. And generally, the winning team would go and visit the White House. But Trump actually rescinded the invitation to the Eagles. And he alleges that he canceled the visitation because players were kneeling during the national anthem. However... No Eagles had taken a knee during the 2017 regular season. I just think he want to get out all of them. It ain't even like, they like, nah, everybody getting thrown on the bus. <laughs> Y'all can't come here. I don't care if you ain't nailed. You watch them nail, though. So he probably just being petty wop. Yeah. Because that's real petty. If they didn't nail, what's the basis of that? Well, so uh, a lot of Eagles were, some of them were planning on not actually attending. So I think that was probably his real reasoning behind, like, Oh, if they're not going to come, well, I'm not inviting them anymore. Petty wild. <laughs> so the White House responded that it was planned, but the team engaged in a quote-unquote political stunt by promising dozens of players would attend, but it was only a handful that were actually going to be showing up. And the thing is, like, even if, if it was in fact true that it was a publicity stunt that they made the assumption it was a, all the team and it's only a handful... Why, like, cancel it? If it's a handful of players that's willing to come to the White House, just do the photo op and get it over with. Like, his is his attitude towards it's like it's all or nothing. Does it matter? If it's a handful's going to come, at least they're going to come, they're going to take the photo. So to me, it's like, is that the real reason you cancel it? Was because a handful was coming? Or you just, you were really hurt by the fact that the entire team wasn't going to come. And you didn't know how to express yourself and say, okay, I feel a certain type of way about this. Keeping in mind, you know why people are not coming and just taking it as is. Like, to me, it's just like, I don't I don't get his reasoning behind that, like everything else he does. Yeah, I think with Trump, it's really all about popularity and portraying that image. And since everyone wasn't going to be showing up, the only way to save his image was... Well, you're not invited, so I can't. <laughs> I'm canceling it. You're out. You're fired. And I think, in for his ego, it's like, well, it's not that they didn't come. I canceled them and I uninvited them. Yeah, that's the way to do it. <laughs> so, in the midst of all of this, journalists basically bombarded Eagle safety Malcolm Jenkins' locker and was kind of getting his reaction as to what was going on. He responded with a silent protest by displaying several posters stating facts and statements pertaining to the movement. We post a video on this on our social media page, so go check it out when you get a chance. But some of the poster boards stated, for one, more than 60% of people in prison are people of color. Mm. Nearly 200,000 juveniles enter the adult criminal system each year, most for nonviolent crimes, hashtag stop school pipeline to prison. In 2018, 439 people were shot and killed by police thus far. In the U.S. population, 8% equals African-American males. Shot by police, 25% equal African-American males. And you aren't listening. I think that was one of the best posters that I like. So he 
was in the locker just putting up these posters as the reporters was asking him questions pertaining to the movement and Trump canceling them to the White House. And I think it's very important that he talks about it in the sense of the whole premise of him really doing it was to redirect the conversation. He stated, I'm tired of the narrative being about the anthem, about the White House or whatever. The issues are the issues and these things are systematic. There are ways that we can change them. And I think his efforts in doing that and utilizing his platform is very powerful and I really commend him on that. What were your thoughts on his protest? I loved it. I thought it was really powerful because it's kind of similar to what Colin Kaepernick did. Instead of just like continuously talking and saying things, he just said, I'm not going to talk. I'm just going to take a knee. That's it. I'm I'm out. Just I'm going to mind my business and do my protest in this way. And people are people just kind of flock to him and similarly Malcolm Jenkins he was like I'm not interviewing there's nothing to talk about other than these points that we're trying to get across which is why we're doing the um why we're doing the the kneeling and I thought that was really important especially because it, it, it's really crazy to me how the actual issues that the protests are about doesn't really get discussed people just can't help but saying it's disrespecting the flag, but we're not going to worry about anything that the, the actual issues that these people are concerned about. And just just to go on a tangent for a second, like I, I had someone say to me the other day, they watched a documentary about um, something about whales or great whales and oh, and yeah. how you heard about that no i'm just listening to yeah. the story <laughs> so. the, the like about the treatment of great whales and sea world and how they're just being so mistreated and it's such a sad documentary and i'm just i was like wait are you joking right now like black people are getting killed in the street arrested for going to starbucks and i'm like yeah you're, you're watching a documentary and so sad about the whales but like their human lives just being lost and just suffering as part of systemic racism and that that kind of blew my i might have been having a bad day but i wanted to go off i didn't say anything i was like oh that's interesting I'm glad you found something interesting to watch on Netflix. You should go watch the 13th documentary now. Well, you should have pulled a Francesca Ramsey move and just kind of called them in. Pull them to the side and be like, let's just have a one-on-one conversation. But well, I get you not there yet, so sorry. It's going to well, take some time. But then I said to myself, I can't get mad at someone because this is what they... Uh, like, they found something they were interested in. I feel like... For whatever reason, the whale documentary resonated with them, and they're really passionate about SeaWorld now, but I'm like, I can't, if they aren't worrying about what's happening with people, people of color in our, in our country and, and around the world, that's not, it's not my place to say one is more important than another. No, it's true. But yeah. I mean, that's pretty common. Like, you see how people react to animals being mistreated. Not saying that animals should be mistreated, but you see how they over they act accordingly when it pertains to that. But when it comes to people of color or anything pertaining to people of color and violence, it's like they're silent. So it goes to show what matters to who and what. So I definitely do understand on that point. But overall, I thought his protest was brilliant. It's like, listen, I'm not even going to talk about anything else this is the issue so forget a kneeling this is what i'm talking about and it's just like read the sign these are the facts what are we going to talk about the facts and deal with the facts do you think it's like questionable that not questionable but it's a little interesting that 
we had stated earlier, apparently the Eagles did not participate in kneeling throughout the whole season. But now it's like you won a championship. It's like people being vocal. It's like now you're doing poster boards. And apparently Malcolm Jenkins has always been vocal around these issues to some extent. But also, too, it's like now most of the players are not going to go to the White House. But it's like, where was all of this during the season? Like, do you look at them kind of differently? Like, why didn't you kneel or were you waiting to see what was happening at the ending point? No, I don't look at them any differently because I, I, I understand where some people can come from because it, I kind of relate to them where I feel passionate about some of these issues but I don't necessarily always articulate that and put that out there because for whatever reason whether I'm uncomfortable in the certain setting or I'm I'm worrisome of the backlash so I understand that hey um they may have not been kneeling, but like someone like Malcolm Jenkins, who's known in the NFL for being an activist, he might not, he necessarily isn't doing the kneeling, but like they said, he's doing other things to kind of address these issues that we may not, it may not just be getting the same, um, what's the word I'm looking for, um, publicity around. Mm-hmm. Like with Colin Kaepernick and the kneeling, that was the media had a field day with it but they're not discussing the other um the other activists and people who are doing stuff because it's it's not like clickbait yeah. compared to Donald Trump versus the NFL players no i understand i guess for me it's like you know Kaepernick took a huge sacrifice and i still to this day of course and i always commend him for that he took that step and even other players who nailed during the season and paid their price and it's like, for me, I'm not saying I look at the Eagles differently, but it's like, you didn't nail all season, up until championship, y'all won. I appreciate the poster board protests, very powerful, and the fact that most of the players are not going to the White House. I guess this is their way of saying, yeah, we definitely are not a part of this. And I get it, like, you know? But I guess for me, it's like, I like to see consistency with protests. Because I could see someone viewing it as, what y'all trying to do? Like, y'all done won championships, now y'all want to rebel, now y'all want to be on some protest tip. Where was all of that during the season? Uh, let me guess, you didn't want to be a part of it, you didn't want to be distracted, you didn't want to be a part of that conversation. So it's like, now you're doing it because you have a championship. So for me, it's, and I'm not trying to badmouth them in any way at all, I just would have liked to see some consistency throughout, because if you see it from Kaepernick, who sacrificed a lot, he don't even got a job, he ain't even picked up yet, we still talking about it. We still talking about it, you know? And that's happening. And then on top of it, there's other players that played a part. You know they were a part of kneeling. You know, there was one player who was stretching during the anthem, backflipping and all. Like, he was like, I ain't kneeling, but I ain't going to do this. You know, but he was doing other stuff. At least you know he was down for something. Mm-hmm. You know? But that's... <laughs> hello. But to me, it's like... I just like to see consistency when it comes to protesting. And I just find it to be interesting. And now that they won a championship, it seems like they're being more vocal about what's going on. Right. And... I would like to see that continue for the next season as well, especially with the um, NFL incorporating a policy that's not really a policy about those who kneel, they will be punished or paying some kind of fine. Mm-hmm. And now they're retracting their statement saying that it wasn't a definitive policy because there's been talks that players may be sitting out for next season. It's like, if this is the game y'all want to play. And that's something that's still being developed. And I want to see what's going to turn out with that policy. You know, if it's actually, if they're going to move forward on it, if they're going to create another policy, or they're just going to say, let's see what rides out in the season. And is Kaepernick going to be picked up? Yeah. Like, is that still a conversation to be had? So I know that he's in the midst of going to court with 
um, the NFL. So that whole situation back and forth, I think it's going to be interesting. And we will be discussing it more on the show because we've been talking about this whole time. Yeah, uh, for me personally, NFL is canceled. It's been canceled. I'm, oh, you done? I'm over it. You well, and I, I'm let, let, let me caveat it by saying I've never been like a huge NFL fan. Like I, I loved watching the highlights and I play the video games sometimes, but I, I personally enjoy basketball. And even with that, like, are you switching teams now? Me? It's very me? questionable. As we can see, what happened with your team? I'm a LeBron fan, but I'm a Knicks fan. I'm always gonna root for the Knicks if the Knicks are out of it. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm always LeBron, gonna root. LeBron, Same here. LeBron's my boy, but. But you don't watch football like that, so it's, it's a dub for you anyway. Yeah, it's a wrap. Like, I didn't watch the, the Super Bowl this year. Don't plan on entertaining it at all. And I, I think I can't force other people to take that same action with me. But I feel like if I'm standing, um, standing firm in that decision, it may influence someone else to kind of reconsider, hey maybe me not watching it can have an impact and for my in my personal opinion i think this is the way you actually make a difference when you when people come together united mm-hmm. on one front and take action like if all the people of color in the nfl decided to not suit up it would be a wrap there would be it no would be nfl there will be no nfl so i don't i i doubt that's going to happen but <laughs> i'm just saying i think it's really it shows it's really important when you can be united on one front and I I'm just I know for me personally I'm NFL's canceled. That's you heard? It's been canceled for me, so that's light. Um So switching gears from the NFL. On the show we've been talking a lot about the Me Too and the Times Up movement and what's becoming like spiraling control of stories upon stories and people being accused of sexual assault left and right primarily men and we want to really not only discuss it from that aspect but really talk about incidents where females lie about situations of cases of rape and sexual assault and i would say that prior to even getting into the story i think it's very it's despicable for you to lie about something like that because it's a lie that could follow someone throughout their life, especially the person who it is. And on fact, is you're feeding into the misconceptions of what it is. And then also on top of that, it makes it much harder for real victims to come forward and discuss their stories. So speaking of, Nikki Yovino, 19 years old from Long Island, she lied about being raped by two Sacred Heart University football players. Keeping in mind, they're two black males and she's a white female. She filed a complaint in October 2016 stating that she was raped by these two men inside of a bathroom at an off-campus house party. She recounted her stories three times months later. Both men admitted to sleeping with her, but it was completely consensual. She pleaded guilty to charges of falsely reporting an incident and interfering with police. The case was in the process of going to trial, but she accepted a plea deal. She will serve a reduced sentence of one year in prison. She would have faced up to six years in prison if she was fully prosecuted or found guilty. Both men are considering suing her because their lives have changed drastically. They're no longer in the school. They're no longer going to the college. And so that really affected their college experience and them attending that school and playing football. 
And I just find it to be disheartening that this has happened, especially we've been talking a lot about Me Too and Time's Up and females coming forward and people not believing them and the timing of when they come forward and how the incidents, it's always these multiple factors that just make victims seem like they're lying. So when you have someone who is lying and lied um, for whatever her reason is, I don't even care what it is, but the fact that you align these two young men who had such a bright future, they still do have a bright future. I hope that they don't let this get in the way of them pursuing their dreams as to what they want to do. It's just a learning lesson, unfortunately. But, and she only doing a year in prison. I just think it's really disheartening to hear that. And it saddens me because, you know, when you hear these cases and these stories and these victims coming forward, I commend victims who come forward about their stories, no matter how long it took you. The fact that you're bold enough just to put it out there. And now when you got people like her, you know, lying, it's just kind of like, yo, you tarnishing the whole movement. Like, what are you doing? So I was really troubled about this. And I feel like it's important that we put chicks like her on front street for lying about sexual assault incidents. Like, you should not be lying and you should pay the price and the consequence of what it is. What is your thoughts on this incident? Um, I'm happy that there was some sort of repercussion where she has, she's doing a year in jail because of it. Because I've never personally heard any stories of people making false accusations and actually um, having any real punitive damages mm-hmm. based off of it. So that was really good. And uh, to, I guess it's scary. Like, I actually have friends who are scared to date or even do anything sexual with white women because they feel like they're going to end up getting, like, falsely accused of rape and things like that. And I'm like... That seems crazy to me because that's just not, like, the reality of my world. And but it people, happens. Yeah, but apparently it definitely happens to people. Like, And not, not only saying black men and white women, but just, like, speaking to a lot of my friends who are black. They, they've had experiences in colleges, like, where one friend said he had a friend who was dating a white girl and they were, they were breaking up. And during the breakup, he was trying to get his stuff out of her apartment and she called the police on him for taking his stuff. And the police <laughs> yeah. came to the apartment and were like, they were basically very belligerent, yelling at him. Moving while black. Right. Like, <laughs> wow. basically like pressing him because she called the police on him. So it couldn't be a situation where he didn't do anything wrong. So he would have been another hashtag because Becky wanted to get fancy. So I, I, I was just so, like, it. Mm-hmm. that kind of just what was brought up to me and... Um, again, not making it a black and white thing, black male, white female, but it it sucks and it's scary knowing that there are people out there making false accusations and getting away with it too. Like I honestly, I respect her for whatever reason. She actually came forward and didn't wait till she was on her deathbed. Shout out to Emmett Teal's accuser. Um, Rest in hell. Basically. Hope she rest in hell. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Lying ass. But, yeah, I do respect her for coming forward and actually not ruining these two guys' lives. And, but I mean, yeah. She kind of did. Um, yeah. She kind of did ruin their lives, you know, in a sense. But it really, and it, because she kind of ruined their lives because even though she lied, imagine if one of them get into an encounter with a woman down the road and it's like, it's either she's telling the truth or she's lying. 
because there's a previous encounter of the same similar situation. So it puts them in that like you're on strike but not really box. Um, I think it's important that we have these conversations pertaining to this, especially when it comes to these encounters. Because there are black men who are scared to date white women because of these issues, which is sad because the, the reality is a cop will believe a white woman any given day before they believe a friggin' black woman. So you have a better chance dating a white woman, I mean a black woman, because even if you call the cops, they'd be like, that ain't happened. They barely believe us, and look how long it's going to take for them to get to the neighborhood. So that's a whole other factor, you know what I'm saying? And these are conversations that's been had, like, you know, black men dating white women and the fact that they use it in their favor. That's why when the Bill Cosby thing happened, and I mentioned in a previous episode... When it, when it first became a thing about him and his pills and shit and pudding, I was like, trying to... You put the pills in the pudding and you... <laughs> nah, that's you not even funny. You ain't shit. So when he was doing all in the quaaludes, I didn't really... You know, at first it was a lot of white women coming out. I was like, mm, you know how y'all do. Y'all like to tarnish a black man, especially when he's successful. Look at this one. These two black males are football athletes you know and them not being at the school not training affected their career in some capacity because who's to say that they're going to transfer to another school and go join another football team and they done missed out on all of that time of practicing so you basically messed up their lives and I think these conversations are important to have because like it's the fact that women like her white women like her feel the need they have their white privilege they could use against men of color or black men specifically and that's why for me it's like i don't understand how like somebody like her it's like you could partake in these sexual activities with a black man but are you gonna turn around and say you were raped did you say that you were raped because when you ran around telling the story that you was with two black dudes probably at the same damn time oh, yeah. <laughs> doing whatever the hell you was doing. it's probably grown she grown so you doing whatever you was doing you felt bad, so you run around screaming rape. Like, and that's a whole other problem. Like, you know, females being overly promiscuous or being promiscuous, which is fine, do you, but don't want to turn around and scream rape because you done told a story to people and they're like, oh, shit, you kind of on that side when you're, you're just you're doing whatever you want to your sexuality. But I think it's important to have in terms of, like, black men feeling that fair. I'm not, I don't believe black women, we feel that fair to date white men because they're going to call the cops or what have you. I don't. That's not a conversation that I've ever noticed has become a thing. Yeah. Um, but as black men not dating white women, I think it's important because it questions like the amount of power that they have and how they know they could use it against you. And as a black man, I feel like if you are entertaining a white woman who is like her, you know, someone who's lying, it's like, why would you pursue somebody like that? Not saying you shouldn't be with any white woman, because I'm not against interracial dating. Do what you do, as long as you're not trying to denounce black women in the process like some of y'all be doing. Okay, date whoever you want. But my thing is, like, you shouldn't even be entertaining a girl like her who's clearly on the fence of trying to get at black men or doing something off the rip. And my question, my real concern is they were two white men, would she have screamed rape? Would she have run around telling that story? Was she, was she had lied as long as she did? Was she had recounted her story? And on top of that, if it was two white men, would the cops even have believed her? Because they, they ain't say nothing about no rape kit on this investigation. So that's a whole other situation. So I don't know. I find it to be very interesting <laughs> how that turned out. But I'm glad you spoke to it that in terms of your friends feeling that way. And I feel like that's a common conversation that's had. Um, but I will say to end off on this when it comes to these incidents of sexual assault, do not lie because you're literally ruining somebody's life and you don't know what that could do down the road for that person. I hope these guys sue her and it's not for the sake of getting money 
but it's their reputation and they probably went through a whole lot during this whole process because of her and how people may perceive them now even if it is a lie they probably still put them in a negative light because of the situation Definitely. so sue her you know what i'm saying make sure you get what you need to get back in return and i hope that they, they sue her enough to pay for their college tuition for whatever school they transfer to <laughs> let her pay the bill give her the tab but um yeah it's sad that this happened and i hope that they're really able to recover and move forward i guess my thing is do you think she would have got a year if they had went to court and she was fully prosecuted they probably would have let her go uh, i i would hope not if she got a year without going to court with a plea right with a plea deal I, because they was in the process of selecting the jurors. So my thing is, if they selected the jurors, especially if they were in favor of her or they were more sympathetic towards her in court crime, putting on a show and shit like that, do you think she would have gotten a year or up to six years or she would have just, they would have probably just gave her like probation? Um, Go clean the sidewalk. Nah, I, I think she probably would have gotten prison, especially if with the plea she got one year. I would I would think that the criminal justice system would do the right thing and give her time. I would I would think that too. I honestly don't believe she would have gotten time. If they had went to court and went to trial and she put on her little performance and probably got her parents in the courtroom and if they had just dropped the line of mental illness. <laughs> <laughs> yo. It just was, <laughs> It would have just been a dub. She's off the, like no, be real like look at it. Zimmerman got off. Oh God! And that was crazy. He killed somebody. He got off. Playing neighborhood cop, and he not a neighborhood cop. So that's what I'm saying. Like, she said, "Play the mental illness card." Just drop that one line Damn. and start twitching in court. Everybody gonna be like, "Nah, she good. Nah, something wrong with her." Bring her to Bellevue for a couple months. Make a cleaner sidewalk. I'm sure I don't really think she would have gotten time if I went to court. That's, that's just. I don't think she would have gotten time. That's like sad. especially in the realm of this Me Too thing, the movement and how it's coming along. I don't think she would have. Somebody would have felt sympathetic, like, oh, she just made a mistake. And especially if it went that far, she tried the angle of the reality is I lied because I was being promiscuous or whatever. If she even tried that way and tried to flip the story and become overly emotional. Somebody would have probably clung to that and be like, oh, okay, I feel bad for her. Let's just give her community service. I'm sorry, a year in prison is not enough. And where they sending her to? It needs to be Rikers. <laughs> they need to put her in solitary confinement in oh, Rikers. God. Let her think about her, the shit she was doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, why not? Jesus. <laughs> why not? You got Khalif Brada in, in Rikers for less. Way less. And you see what happened to him. <sighs> they need to bring Becky to Rikers. Dead serious. You should follow up on this story. Just see where she ends up going. It don't matter. You already know what time it is. She's going to go to a nice little prison. Get her, her breakfast, lunch, and dinner. For her little towels. And she's going to be out in the air. She ain't going to go through nothing real crazy. She might end up writing a book. <laughs> and getting a deal. Facts. That too. And a show. And a movie. Oh, God. They'll probably end up running for president. <laughs> Actually won it. Make America great again. Oh, God. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> we're going to be segueing into Coach P. <laughs> so. That was a good one. On this episode, I really want to talk about 
mental health and how it relates to people committing suicide. So there was a recent study that came out from the CDC, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, and it stated that over the past 20 years, ending in 2016, the increase in suicide rates in the United States has gone up by 25%, which is very high and a very alarming number, especially because suicides account for one of the top 10 causes of death in the United States, and that number is growing. So one of the tough parts about dealing with mental health issues and suicide is that it can affect anyone, no matter how perfect your life may seem to others. And two really good and and sad examples of this most recently are Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. Crazy, man. Yeah. These two were beloved stars in the height of their careers and doing things that they were passionate about and, again, loved by their fans and people all over the world. But they were dealing with their own demons and decided for themselves that ending it was the the only way to, to really stop the suffering. So in, in Kate's, Kate Spade's situation... She was dealing with anxiety and depression for years while seeking medical attention, but that wasn't enough. And when it comes to Bourdain, he was also battling his own demons. And according to a recent letter penned by actress Rose McGowan, she stated he did seek help from doctors before deciding to take his life. And these sad stories of these stars really show you that mental illness doesn't pick and choose between people anyone discriminate yeah at all there's no discrimination when it comes to this and it's something that should be taken very seriously because no matter how perfect your life may seem anyone could be dealing with these issues so before i kind of go into this i kind of want to talk from my own experience and if you've listened to the show I've, i've discussed my battles with depression in the past But for me personally, when I was dealing with depression, it was around just my work-life balance. I wasn't dating. I wasn't, I didn't have any real relationships outside of work and a few friends that I grew up with. And I just wasn't happy. Like, I was coming home from work late every single day, drinking lots of alcohol on the weekend, or even after work to kind of quote-unquote de-stress but it was actually really a way for me of just escaping and not having to deal with like the reality of my life which was it sucked I, I didn't like what I was doing for work I wasn't happy there and I didn't know what to do I didn't see any way of getting out of it but what really worked for me personally was I started listening to a lot of motivational speakers and what they really impressed upon me was no matter where your life is, you can make the decision to change it and turn it around, no matter how bad things look. And just constantly hearing that over and over and over again, every single day, every single morning, it really made me feel like, okay, like things suck right now, but it doesn't have to stay this way. In addition to just um, listening to these different speakers that really gave me like this new new hope was really sharing with my friends and families and talking to them about what I was dealing with. Like I was telling people, I'm literally depressed. I can't, I hate my life right now. I want to quit my job, 
move to Europe or somewhere and just start over fresh. I don't want anyone to know me and just like have a clean slate. But it really felt good just knowing that I had friends and family that I could talk to, even if they weren't going to they weren't going to be the ones to change my situation. Just knowing that I had an outlet to kind of let it off my chest. That really made a difference for me. And then in addition to that, really changing my diet, exercise, and meditation. Those three things were crucial because I normally would be found on the couch, literally laid down for hours and just watching Netflix until I fell asleep. And then waking up and then going through the same pattern of work, not enjoying it, and just being stressed out all the time. So being able to just start exercising, start meditating so I could have like a more peaceful demeanor and kind of dealing with that stress and changing my diet because the food that we put into our body definitely has an effect on how we go about our day and our mood. So like those are some of the things that really helped make a difference for me and change my situation. So I kind of wanted to just put that out there before I, I go a little bit further into this the topic for today. So one thing to really be conscious of when it comes to suicide is there are many issues that people can be dealing with that can contribute to them to taking that route. And just a list of few, that includes people dealing with financial and economic issues, mental health issues such as depression, substance abuse, eating disorders, anxiety and panic disorders, bipolar disorder, and schizophrenia. In addition to that, there are people dealing with relationship issues, whether their relationships are ending or they're having rocky relationships or significant stressful life changes. So in addition to that, in this day and age, social media has become a major part of our lives. And you actually touched on this earlier in the episode, Key, because when we have social media, it gives us access to the world, which can be a good thing and a bad thing, depending on how we actually use it. So nowadays, people not only have to deal with their own everyday struggles, but now they have to deal with it while being able to look at the seemingly perfect lives of everyone else around them. And I really want to emphasize seemingly because social media, as we all are aware, it's a lot of filters and people just putting the best versions of their life out there for the world to see it's really like it's not reality it's not what people are actually dealing with if you look at people's social media pages you would think all they do is travel eat amazing food go on awesome dates and are just happy and singing and dancing all the time but everyone knows that's not the case and especially we can always point back to these celebrities like a kate spade or anthony bourdain who seemingly lived perfect lives that we all aspire for aspire to but there were things that we didn't know they were actually dealing with so that's what i think is a major factor in the in what's contributing to people actually deciding to to take their lives and and attributing to the mental health issues that we're dealing with so some of the warning signs that you you can be on the lookout from your friends or family will be People talking about wanting to die or to kill themselves, looking for ways to kill themselves. People talking about feeling hopeless or having no reason to live. And I think the word hopeless, I think that's a very important um, 
That's a very important word that you want to listen for because it is that hopeless nature that people have that make them realize like this can't change. I can't turn this around. So that's why suicide seems like the can seem like an option or the only option for people because if you don't see a way of things turning around, you just you want to do whatever you can to just end the suffering. Um, then talking about feeling trapped or an unbearable pain. People talk about being a burden to others, increased use of alcohol or drugs, acting anxious, agitated, behaving recklessly, sleeping too little or too much, being withdrawn, isolated, showing extreme rage or constant mood swings. So those are some of the signs. And I know that list kind of seems um, very, what's the word I'm looking for? It seems like a, a big list, but a lot of these things, especially if you know someone and you're you're just close to someone, you can notice when things are off. And I think a lot of times we don't really get real with people. It's like, oh, how are you doing? I'm fine. Even though you can kind of feel like something yeah. might not be right with them, a lot of times we don't always go into having those real meaningful conversations. And that leads me to the point of like the stigmas. So some stigmas about mental health is people feel they won't be understood. So some people will not even seek help or share with what they're dealing with because they think no one's going to understand or no one's going to care. And again, going back to that hopelessness, people, when they're feeling depressed in that moment, you can feel hopeless. And I can speak to that myself because when I was really dealing with depression, I saw no way of anything turning around. It was just like life is going downhill and it's like a one-way ticket to crap. And I felt stuck. I didn't see any way of it changing. That's why it was so great for me to start listening to different motivational speakers because regardless of what I saw and what it felt like, I was getting and hearing that this is not the case. Things can turn around. Things can turn around. And just constantly hearing that over and over, it created that sense of hope, which then created a space for me to take different actions to change my situation around. And lastly, like a lot of older generations may not be as open when it comes to dealing with mental health issues because the common misconceptions are if there is some form of depression going on, it's go to church and pray. That's like the responses. So they really don't know how to engage and have those conversations. Exactly. And it kind of feeds into ignorance pertaining to mental illness. The reason why I said that is when I was thinking back to Juno Diaz when he wrote his powerful piece for The New Yorker about being sexually assaulted. And he stated that he was depressed but didn't know it was depression. And his mom basically told him to go to church and mm. pray. And that's normally the response. Church, pray, drink some tea. You'll be all right. <laughs> Light some, some candles. <laughs> like, heard it all. Yeah. And, and then, in addition to that, some of the older generations feel like, especially in the black community, mm -hmm. like, seeking therapy or dealing with your issues, like, nobody's got time for that. You gotta just keep it to yourself, deal with it. Everyone's got problems, and just keep that to yourself and I think that's a lot of times is part of the issue because people aren't seeking help from their friends family loved ones and just um, medical professionals and it's even though problematic because even though the older generation has dealt with their forms of pain or depression in their own way and they may not have seek help 
we shouldn't look to them as prime examples of that. I'm not going to look to my parents and say, oh, you handled all of these horrific things and these obstacles and you didn't go see anybody, but you made it work and you were strong. You don't know what they do behind the scenes. and You don't know how they're trying to battle with that. So for me, I wouldn't look for the older generation as, well, you handle it that way and it seemed to work for you, so I'm going to do it. You're different in your own right. I know I'm different. So for me, I'm a big advocate of getting a life coach and a therapist. I have a life coach. I'm really big on you having someone to turn to to listen to you and to your problems. We can turn to our friends as much as we want. But at the end of the day, you know how some of your friends are. Like, let me tell you my story. Cut you off. I got to tell you mine because it's more important. But you kind of need somebody just to listen to what you're saying so you can get your complete thought and emotions and stuff you've been through out. And I know there are some people who don't turn their friends and tell them their deepest, darkest secrets in terms of being depressed because you don't want to burden somebody. Yeah. But the reality is if that's your real friend, they should be the ones that you turn to. And if you can't turn to them because you're going through this, then you have to question what kind of people you have around you. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, if you don't feel comfortable turning to them how would you feel if they end up turning to you? Like, wouldn't you want to be there for them? And if that's the case, you would want that back of a turn. But I'm a bit advocate of you getting a life coach, you getting a therapist. Like, go out there and seek the people that you need to kind of have that outlet and to get the help you need. Let's not look to the older generation as a prime example because going to church and praying and drinking tea ain't going to solve it. Because if it did, a lot of people will still be here. Yeah. So, when it comes to friends and families, if you have people in your life that are dealing with depression or other mental health issues or you fear that they may be considering suicide definitely reach out to those people reach out to your friends and loved ones just in general see how people are actually doing and actually have real conversations see what's going on in their lives see what they're dealing with like what struggles they're going through like not having just purely superficial conversation will definitely help in terms of kind of bringing certain issues and things to light don't be afraid to ask questions like especially if you think someone is dealing with depression and considering suicide ask actually asking them the question have you thought about committing suicide or have you thought about ending your life just sometimes we're so scared and we want to tiptoe around those questions but actually being direct and bringing it up you'll hear what people have to say and some people may not be shy and may say yeah i've thought about that and then you can that's like the the jumping point to start having more conversations about it but if you're not asking the questions usually it won't get up and kind of to what you said key like people don't want to be a burden to others so sometimes you as that friend the family the loved one you need to take the initiative to have that conversation and bring that out in the people that you suspect might be dealing with these issues and i definitely think too like if you know someone who's going through depression you really go about it and be strategic um if you really believe in your heart that this person is going through depression don't try to do it in a way where you try to humiliate them, make fun of them, or mock them, or make them feel like what they're doing or going through is not serious. I'm a big advocate of having one-to-one conversations face-to-face. You could gauge somebody's mood. You can gauge, you know, if they're lying or whatever the case may be. So if they're really your friends, don't just, you know, go about it strategically. I would definitely say try to reach out to them, see them. Have a face-to-face, a heartfelt conversation. Make sure it's a one-to-one. It's not you and 500 other people. But, like, really try to connect and bond with them. And if that requires you to be a lot 
if that requires you to be really vulnerable about your situation or that you've been in a space of being depressed and you have to open up to kind of get information out that person, then do that. A lot of us try to guard our feelings and emotions and be strong, but sometimes being strong is not enough. And sometimes being strong can end up killing you more than anything else because you end up trying to be everything and take everything in. You're slowly destroying yourself. So I definitely think it's very imperative that if you are around someone who's depressed or going through things try to be strategic with how you approach them and how you're there for them um especially in a way where they can turn to you and trust you enough where they can confide in you i think that's very important and if you feel like you can't provide that help really go and go seek a professional who can assist you or help you how to navigate dealing with that person so you're not going in and messing up and causing more further problems yeah, that's a great point. If you find out someone is considering suicide, definitely reach out to a professional. Reach out to their friends, family. If they have a therapist or healthcare professional that they're working with, let put that information out there. Their professionals might not be able to discuss anything further with you, but just providing them with that information could save somebody's life. And I get, the last point I really want to end off with is for anyone who might be dealing with depression, mental health disorders, or considering suicide, I think the most important thing is no matter how bad things look in the moment, you can never you can never really tell what it's going to be like when you're outside of that fog and when you're not dealing with it. And no matter how bad things look, there's always hope and an opportunity to turn things around. And that's like the most important thing I really want to get across. Like, yeah, no matter how bad it is, just always hold on to hope that things could not feel good and be great right now, but it doesn't always have to be that way. Things can turn around. And it will turn around. So if you if you feel extremely distressed, you can call 1-800-273-8255, which is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And you'll be able to speak with someone who will provide free and confidential support 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if you want to learn how to help someone in a crisis, you can also call the same number. And we'll definitely include that in the show notes. So once again, guys, thank you for tuning in. Make sure if you haven't already, go purchase that unapologetically different ringtone in playing in your ear right now, all silky smooth. <laughs> Definitely follow us on Instagram and Twitter at unapologeticd underscore. And you can also find our show on iTunes, SoundCloud, and now Stitcher by searching unapologetically different. And you can also find us on Facebook by searching unapologetically different. Stay tuned for next season's episode. Bye. So that's a wrap for season five, guys. Woohoo! Yeah, boy. So we just want to thank everyone for following us this far. Um, I can't believe we're in season five. We're at the end of it. Yeah. Um, 40 episodes. So make sure y'all got time to go check out those episodes. We have definitely changed and evolved from season one. So if you've been following us, you've been noticing a lot of changes. And we're going to continue that momentum. We're going to continue our changes. I'm going to continue to light a fire under Pierre's <laughs> ass. And he's going to continue dropping his gems. So we just appreciate everything you guys have been doing and been supporting us. Make sure you get that ringtone. That's another way to support. As you know, Pierre and I will be going on our little break before we get into the next season. But we'll still be very active on social media. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, 
and Twitter. Um, so we have a lot of things in the works and we have some stuff that we're working on behind the scenes that we'll love to bring forward to you for next season. So we just wish you guys all the best and thank you so much for following us on this journey. It means a great deal to me. I know it's kind of cliche, but I'm being dead ass honest. I really appreciate the support. I appreciate you listening to our episodes. Even if you can't listen to the whole thing, you got like 20 minutes or 30 minutes in before you went to work or afterwards. I appreciate it. I appreciate you for sharing our episodes on your social media. That means a lot. I appreciate our followers on Instagram that goes hard with the posts and the commentaries, boy. Y'all be going at it. Pierre and I be getting a popcorn like, look at this shit right here, bro. <laughs> but um, we appreciate that. We love it. So I just want to thank everybody. We really, I can't, can't get enough of it. And we just appreciate the love, peace, blessings, and prosperity, people. Yeah, damn. I There's nothing to add to that. That was just... Beautiful, I it. yeah. I killed it. This you is what did, I do. You definitely did. Um, love you guys. Literally, <laughs> that, that that's literally all I could say. Um, definitely appreciate the support. And once again, thank you for tuning in. Like he said, make sure you go and purchase that unapologetically different ringtone. It really means the world to us. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at unapologetic d underscore you can also find us on facebook by searching unapologetically different and you can find our show on itunes soundcloud and now stitcher by searching unapologetically different stay tuned for next season bye